0: Welcome everyone, I am Michael, your host for Depaganizing the Gospels. In the first episode of this third part of the podcast series, I will be presenting the discussion of notes about the depaganization of the testimony of Luke, chapters one through four. It is important to know that Luke was not one of the original disciples of Jesus Christ, and he was a supposed Roman convert who was an associate of Paul. What will be proven in this depaganization effort is that Luke was a fraud. He was an untrue convert, and a majority of his testimony is completely fraudulent. Luke was a pagan Roman who believed in the principles of pagan mythology. His effort in writing the testimony has been to discredit the true teaching of Jesus Christ by claiming that the Messiah was the Son of God. The concept of a man being born to a virgin impregnated by God originates in pagan Roman mythology. None of that nonsense is true about Jesus and Luke's testimony had the intent to support the fraudulent theology of Catholicism. This presentation is not Antichrist because all of what will be presented is the truth about how the message of Jesus Christ has been to lead mankind to know God. I truly believe that Jesus was the Messiah, God's chosen one. But He was not the Son of God because a man is never God in the flesh. The sons of God were the angels in heaven and God created them to be eternal spirits. Jesus Christ was born completely human and He is not nor has He ever been the Son of God. Let's begin the discussion with the first note about chapter 1. The entire first chapter of this testimony is a heresy and a completely fraudulent historiography created by a pagan Roman who did not know the Christ during his lifetime. To rely on these words written by a pagan Roman, someone who blasphemed God with idol worship and pagan polytheism, has no validity in the creation of a testimony that promotes the message of Jesus Christ. Luke was a pagan and his false conversion to a belief in the message of Christ has perverted his message with its paganized content. None of the first chapter of this testimony has any truth, and it all blasphemes God. It was a curse upon the text, and that curse has been removed. The next note is to explain the correction made in chapter 2 verse 5, which now says, He went there to register with Mary, who was his wife, and was expecting a child. Joseph and Mary were married before Mary was pregnant and before Jesus was born because he was their child. The fraud in this testimony becomes apparent in the ignorance of the statement that Mary was his bride-to-be. A man did not register a pregnant woman he was not married to yet. The entire concept of this fraud denigrates the parents of Jesus. A man did not register a bride-to-be, and the pagan lie contradicts the truth of Galilean traditions. This lie of registering an unwed mother-to-be also contradicts Roman law for that time frame. The exposure of lies throughout this testimony attributed to one of their Antichrist followers by the name of Luke will be de-paganized in this testimony. Beware, the Antichrist is in the paganized testimony of Luke. The next note for chapter 2 is about the omission of verses 7 through 20. The passage describing angels appearing to shepherds in the field is a complete fraud. None of the details provided in the author's paganized myth about the birth of Christ are supported by any other testimony. And all of it is inconsistent with the truth of Almighty God found in the book of Enoch. Luke was not one of the disciples. And all of the testimony that does not match that of Matthew is heretical fraud. Luke was a heretic and he was not a Jew by birth. All of what he writes is pretentious fraud that does not tell the truth about the birth, ministry, and life of Jesus Christ because he was not there to witness it. The text is a spell, a curse of pagan creation, but it can be depaganized by the power and guidance of God's Holy Spirit. God prohibited his sons, the eternal spiritual beings known to mankind as angels, from having offspring with human beings, and God is not a hypocrite who would violate his own commands prohibit the immoral procreation between flesh and spiritual beings. Jesus was a human being, not son of God. The next note is about the admission of verse 23. The passage describing the sacrifice is fraudulent because the requirement according to Leviticus 12, 6 is to sacrifice a first-year lamb and a pigeon or dove. The erroneous quotation is an example of a heretical editorialization. Fraudulent scholars have claimed that Joseph and Mary did not present a lamb in a sacrifice because they were poor after fleeing to Egypt, which did not happen. The fraud abounds in this illogical excuse. There is no truth nor validity for this passage to be included except to create a curse of fraud that has been removed. Additionally, observance of the tradition referred to here would have been unlawful according to the laws of Moses, because it would have been a sacrilege to consecrate an illegitimate child. If Mary was already pregnant and not by Joseph, then the child would have been a mamzer, and consecration would not have been allowed, according to Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 3. Jesus Christ was most likely circumcised in accordance with law, but it occurred because all of the nonsense about his birth was not true. Jesus was a naturally conceived child of Mary and Joseph, and he would have been properly consecrated in accordance with Jewish tradition. The next note is about the omission of verses 25 through 38, which says, the Tale of Simeon was a completely fraudulent testimony, not supported by any other testimony of the original apostles or those who knew Jesus in his lifetime. There is no reference to this occurrence being assigned from God as prophesied by the ancients, and it blasphemes God by claiming the advent of the Holy Spirit was upon Simeon when God's Holy Spirit had not yet been sent to the world until the anointing of Jesus Christ and the day of Pentecost. The evidence here is obvious. The pagan who created this fraud was ignorant of the truth of how God's Holy Spirit, Emmanuel, God with us, was not made available to mankind until after Jesus had ascended into heaven and enabled the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit would not have been upon Simeon because he was not the Christ, anointed by God with the Holy Spirit. The tale in this text was a complete fraud and a curse. De-paganizing the text has the purpose to remove these curses even when the text seems honorable. God will be praised as only one because Jesus Christ was just a man. The next note is about verse 1 chapter 3 which now says in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar the word of God came to John the Baptist in the desert what has been omitted is the references to pagan historiography it has no validity being present in the telling of the life of Christ pagan ideologies of politics and governance are not valid to be present in the word of God's eternal truth Luke was a pagan Roman who worshiped pagan gods and never truly rejected his Roman tithes Luke was a pretender And none of what he had to say that contradicted the truth found in Matthew's testimony and some of Mark's has been acceptable to God. Additionally, John the Baptist was Elijah in reality, but pagans rejected this truth. God returned Elijah to earth in the time of Christ as foretold in prophecy, and he was not born to Zechariah and Elizabeth in the time of Christ. The details provided by Luke are fraudulent, and no other testimony provides this information because it was a complete fraud. The ideology appearing in the pagan testimony of Luke also appears in the Slavonic translation of the Book of Enoch when it describes the birth of Melchizedek, which does not appear in the Ethiopic text recovered in Assyria by James Bruce in 1773. Heretics added this detail to the testimony in an effort to support the origin of Melchizedek as it appears in the Slavonic translation of the Book of Enoch. The omitted passage was a component of the Melchizedekian curse that has been removed. The next note is about a correction of verses 4 through 6. The misquote has been replaced with the correct quotation from Isaiah chapter 40 verses 3 through 5. Luke was a pagan who did not know the scriptures in their original language and much of what he writes is from the perspective of an untrue convert and pagan Roman heretic. Luke was a fraud and none of what he writes is accurate. Correcting misquotes de and removes the curses from the text. The next note is about verse 7, which says, John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? The curse about vipers appears in other testimonies attributed to John, who was not Jesus Christ. Elijah was known to make such statements and to openly chastise the unfaithfulness of the people." These incidents of curses will be omitted when attributed to Jesus because he was not the same as Elijah. The next note is about an omission in verse 22 which now says, And the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove and a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. The phrase in bodily form was a fraudulent editorialization and a blasphemous lie. The Holy Spirit never becomes flesh or human form, because the Holy Spirit is the eternally spiritual form of God. Luke, a pagan, would not have understood this, because his true belief was in pagan mythology that was the origin of the virgin birth lie. It was paganistic to believe that God had become the flesh in the time of Christ, and the ignorance of this fraudulent belief appeared throughout this text. It has been removed to remove that curse of fraud. The next note is about an omission in verse 23, which now reads, Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was the son of Joseph and Mary, being naturally born in the Galilean city of Bethlehem, as their first child conceived in love by these two human beings while they were married in the Galilean city of Bethlehem. The birth of Jesus Christ was honorable and blessed by all traditions of Judaism and in compliance with Galilean life during the time of great trouble and strife under the rule of oppressive Roman Empire. The phrase, as was supposed, was omitted and it had the purpose of expressing doubt about the veracity of Yeshua's birthright. It implies that both Joseph and Mary lied about the child's origin. The entire scurrilous lie about the virgin birth was intended to be heretical and sarcastic conjecture. Luke's argument in this testimony was based upon his fraudulent belief in pagan Roman mythology applied to the story of Jesus who was a Galilean Jew. Pagan Romans believed that Apollo had impregnated a female to have offspring of his own. So they created this lie of virgin birth and son of God based upon their false religion that has never been true. Their assertion of the event has the intent to suggest that Jesus was an illegitimate child and that both of his parents were liars and adulterous fornicators. The virgin birth concept has always been a deep fake. The next note explains the omission of verses 24 through 28. The fraudulent genealogy of Christ does not even compare to Matthew's. And it is also an irrelevant inclusion having the purpose to pretend or to mimic the true testimony of Matthew. All of it is contradictory to the testament provided by Matthew. The last line of this genealogy in verse 28 is fraudulent because Adam was not the son of God. Man was created by God from the dust of the earth, so mankind was God's creation. The sons of God, according to Mosaic text and the book of Enoch, are the angels whom God also created to watch over mankind. But the angels are eternal, spiritual beings made in the likeness of God. Luke was a false convert and did not know Hebrew literature because he was a pagan Roman who believed in Roman mythology and his beliefs were confused. The first note for chapter 4 is about a correction made in verse 2, which now says, Where for forty days Jesus was ministered to by God's holy angels, so that he came to know the path of angels, the prophecies about the Christ within the book of Enoch, and his destiny to become the Messiah, God's chosen one and deliverer of humanity, into the kingdom of heaven when it came time for God's judgment to take place. Excluding the temptation of Christ, depaganizes the text because the inclusion of this fraud is a type of pleasurism and mimicry that heretics used to attempt validation of the testimony. Jesus Christ received the gifts of the Holy Spirit after he was baptized in act of repentance and he had to learn about these gifts before he could start his ministry. While he was by himself in the desert God sent his angels to minister to Jesus So that he would know how to avoid the temptation of Satan. Satan tempted Christ to exalt himself throughout his ministry as these testimonies will show. But all the paganized versions of the testimonies will fraudulently claim that Jesus exalted himself in violation of the first rule for a prophet. A prophet may never exalt himself. The next note explains the admission of verses 3 through 13. The description of Satan's temptation is unsubstantiated fictionalization having only the aspect of literary license but it is still a false testimony and a curse upon the New Testament. The details fabricated in the paganized testimony of this fraudulent event of temptation contradict God's eternal truth found in the book of Enoch. Satan was a son of God and a conspirator in the rebellion of angels who went down to the earth to have offspring of their own in violation of God's commandments. Satan and the other fallen angels have been confined to the prison of angels managed by the archangel Raphael. Christ would not have met Satan in the desert, nor would he have been subjected to temptation by the demonic spirits of the Nephilim. Christ went into the desert to be ministered to by God's archangels, who taught him the measure of his gifts, how to use them correctly, and the rules only an anointed one may know with wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. The next note is about a correction to verses 18 and 19 which now say the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me and sent me to preach good tidings to the meek, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and to release prisoners, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of salvation of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to give to the mourners of Zion beauty instead of ashes, perfume instead of mourning, a cloak of beauty instead of the spirit of heaviness. They shall be called men of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, which is glorious. What has been corrected is to replace the fraud with the actual quote from Isaiah chapter 61 verses 1 through 3. The misquote is replaced with accurate quotation. Luke repeatedly misquotes ancient prophecy throughout this testimony with the intent to blaspheme God and curse the text in which these false testimonies appear. Pagans who editorialized Luke's testimony mimicked parts of the other testimonies by copying them into this one. But this testimony tells a complete lie about Jesus because Luke was a pagan Roman who never gave up his beliefs in false gods. He constantly lied to rationalize what he had heard by relating it all to his own pagan beliefs. The next note is about verse 21, which says, And he began by saying to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, for Jesus to declare it that this prophecy was fulfilled is acceptable and that he had cognizance of what the Lord had chosen him to do in his ministry. It is not a matter of self-exaltation to proclaim his acceptance of God's anointing him to deliver the message of eternal truth to the world. Any man whom God chooses for a ministry has an obligation to self-identify to others so that they may know his purpose and intent among them is to deliver the word of God in the manner that God determines. Avoiding self-exaltation as a prophet becomes very difficult to describe, but it is a very important distinction between Jesus openly saying he was the Christ and saying he was son of man. A true prophet, a chosen one, will not openly say he is a prophet to others, but there are various applicable statements that can be made that are not self-exalting. People who have received the Holy Spirit in the second birth will easily understand without being told by the man that he is a prophet. The next note is about the omission of verses 25-30. through The accuracy of the details about Elijah and Elisha are fraudulently attributed to the pagan Roman who wrote the testimony. The passage has no real relevance to the testimony, nor does it appear in any other testimony. De-paganizing the text involves removing fraud created by heretics who attempted to add information that Luke obviously did not know. The passage was added by an unknown editor much later in time, probably during the Middle Ages. While the point is well made and the details are accurate, it is a curse of fraud to insinuate a pagan Roman knew more about the history of Judaism than the other authors. Removing cursives of fraudulent is part of depaganizing the text, even when there is accuracy in the material. The irrelevance of the reference creates the curse of fraud. And it has been removed. The last note in this episode is about a correction of verse 41. Which now says. Moreover demons came out of many people shouting. You are the son of God. But Jesus rebuked them. And commanded them not to speak these blasphemies of God. And insults to him. Those demons knew he was the Christ. God's anointed one. So they blasphemed God in his presence. By saying that he was the son of God. Because demons are evil spirits. Who do not tell the truth and always blaspheme God. Demons knew Jesus was the Christ and insulted him and God by calling him Son of God. Only the demonically possessed called Jesus the Son of God during that time and today because the statement is a blasphemy. Galileans and other Jews knew the prophecies in the book of Enoch. Pagan Romans did not have access to the book of Enoch because it was a sacred text. Fragments of the text have been found among the Dead Sea Scrolls. Well, that is all for this episode. I hope everyone is finally learning something. But there is much more to know in the deep-paganizing of the Gospels. Be sure to subscribe for notifications. Thank you for listening. I am Michael.